0: Welcome to another episode of Necronominum with Matt and Jenna. In this podcast, we watch horror films and explore all the circumstances that inspired them, whether they be based in mythology, true events, or just made up.
1: This episode is about the new James Wan film, The Conjuring 2, The Enfield Poltergeist, and also about the investigation of the alleged Enfield haunting upon which the film is based. We just now returned from the Sydney premiere of The Conjuring 2, and we would like to extend our extreme gratitude to Roadshow Australia for inviting us. Thank you guys so much for continuing to support our podcast.
0: Yeah, thank you. We really appreciate it. Uh, The Conjuring 2, the Enfield Poltergeist, is the sequel to The Conjuring and is loosely based on the 1977 occurrences in a North London home and the family that lived through them.
1: So for this episode, in addition to watching the film tonight... We also Hmm. read the book, This House is Haunted.
0: Yeah, This House is Haunted by Guy Lyon Playfair.
1: He was one of the investigators in the original Enfield case. We'll talk more about him later. First of all, we'll talk about the film. It was written and directed by the same team as the first movie, um, which includes James Wan, who we are big fans of.
0: Yeah, he, he makes good movies.
1: And also Carrie and Chad Hayes, who wrote the first one.
0: It also sees the return of Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga as the ghost hunting duo The Warrens.
1: It comes out in theaters tomorrow in Australia. This is the 9th of June um, and the 10th of June in America. But it's already gotten some pretty positive reviews. IMDb has given it a 9.5 out of 10, which is huge. Yeah, it's good. And it's got an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's uh that's good it's solid uh the the first film got very good reviews as well if i recall uh but we didn't like it as much as everyone nah, else seemed to definitely
1: not i i liked this one a lot better
0: yeah yeah um, I did let's too. give a
1: brief synopsis about it before we get into talking about it
0: a north london family suddenly becomes the target of supernatural activity centering on their youngest daughter janet when it seems like no one else will be able to assist them the warrens are called in to provide their expert opinion so what did you think
1: I liked it. I mean, yeah. because we'd done so much research on the the yeah. allegedly true story. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a little bit difficult to kind of get past that while watching it.
0: Yeah, I, I was feeling pretty burned out on it, actually, when we, when yeah. we went in. Because we watched, uh, not only did we read the book and, and also do, do other research, we watched... Uh, the, the
1: BBC uh, drama miniseries drama
0: and a bunch of footage of
1: all of the interviews all of the yeah. present day interviews so, um yeah, yeah we,
0: we we went hard into this one and I, I was feeling pretty burned out on it but but i, I gotta say i really liked the movie
1: yeah I, I think about halfway through i just had to forget that this was the same story as the yeah. one that we've been looking so deeply into <laughs> and yeah. just try to enjoy it for you know the jumpy tension yeah. movie that it was
0: it, it was not I wouldn't call it a faithful adaptation of the uh, oh, alleged no, events.
1: no, not at <laughs> all. <laughs>
0: but that's a good thing. It was
1: very generous in um, yeah. the things that happen. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. and the first one was as well. That was a criticism I leveled at the first one uh, because it says that it's based on a true story and it was... I mean, not, I don't believe that a lot of that stuff happened. And again, same with this one. But this one, I felt like they... They weren't even trying to pretend that this really happened.
1: They took some liberties.
0: Especially towards the end.
1: Yeah, they used some of the same people and some of the same concepts.
0: Yeah, uh, and this one felt to me more like a James Wan film. This film occupied the same world as Insidious 1 and 2, whereas The Conjuring, I felt, well, it just wasn't as appealing to me for some reason. Like It just didn't have what what those other films had the fantasy aspect i think is what i was missing because the conjuring Mm -hmm. i think he stuck too close to trying to keep it like realistic but but i i didn't Mm -hmm. i didn't think it was very realistic yeah yeah so i liked this a lot after not liking the conjuring so much so i guess you Mm -hmm. could say he he won me back oh i said i said he won me back he james
1: won you back
0: yeah it's a little joke you guys you guys can use that if you want if you one. Okay, that's I'm going to stop now.
1: The guy who ushered us into the theater looked like James Wan.
0: <laughs> he did. And I was almost going to ask you to take a photo of us together. And I thought, <laughs> no, that's racist.
1: <laughs> it was great. Uh Yeah, there there were some things about this movie that I really, really liked. Some of the effects were mm-hmm. awesome.
0: Yeah, it's got some good gags in it. Spooky, scary gags. Mm-hmm. He's good at that.
1: Yeah, I do have a bit of a problem with the amount of tension he creates i feel like he just relies on it too much which is fine i mean there's nothing about this movie that sticks with me like like scary sense yeah there's a lot of
0: jump scares through the first three quarters of it
1: yeah there's nothing that kind of makes you think later on
0: it was a lot of um it was sitting and waiting for something to jump out at you
1: yeah i mean and you can tell when it's going to happen too because like the music gets tense they start to quietly walk around the house listening to noises and it just builds up until <laughs> yeah, like a big yeah. release of a jump scare
0: and the generally the payoff is pretty good in in this uh i found it's just that yeah there is a lot of that for the for the first 3 quarters of the film and then i felt like the last 15 20 minutes of the film really Really hooked me. I thought it was great, but I heard a lot of people as we were leaving saying that they felt like it got a bit cheesy and over the top. But that's what I like. Like that's I felt like that's when it got really good.
1: Yeah, I liked the ending. Yeah, it was not true to the story at all. No,
0: no, but that would have been boring. Oh, totally. So we don't want to give away any spoilers because the film's. I mean, it's not. It's not even out
1: yet. So yeah. No,
0: so we don't want to spoil anything. Um, I I would recommend if you're a horror film fan. Go check it out. It's good. It's a fun I, uh, film.
1: Yeah. If you're into kind of like, you know, just getting scared for a night and then forgetting about it. <laughs> no, <laughs> No, I mean. can. There's no, some, like there's some was, stuff that'll
0: stick. It was good. I feel like some of the visual gags, or I mean, gags is not the right word. Some of the visual effects. Uh, effects or, I mean, I mean, I guess gags is the right word. You know, he, he's good at... Uh, Creating these scares and a few of them there's a couple of the build ups that I thought were really effective. Like there's a scene in the I guess it's like a study with Vera Farmiga's character.
1: Lorraine Warren.
0: Sorry, yeah. With Lorraine Warren, uh that I felt paid off really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um yeah, there's a couple a couple of things that I thought would were handled really well. And then there were others that were just kind of, you know, standard James Wan fair.
1: Yeah, and I think it, if you genuinely believe this stuff, you will find it very scary.
0: Yeah. Again, I don't. I don't for a second believe that this happened. But I felt like this but I enjoy one enjoy the ride. Yeah, yeah. And I felt this one didn't get too caught up in in trying to keep it super realistic. Like, like I said, I felt like the f- the, the first conjuring tried to make it realistic, and then for me, it failed because I just don't believe in any of that. This one just didn't bother. And yeah. That's no, many
1: why I, <laughs> many times during this film, they questioned the fact that it was even real within yeah, the lo- film.
0: I liked that they
1: they questioned that it was a hoax.
0: Yeah, they addressed some stuff about the 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 real story that mm-hmm. I, in an interesting way, and I, I actually got a kick out of some some aspects of that, which I guess we'll touch on later on. Yeah, are we going to talk about spoilers when we talk about the actual stuff that happened? Because it's kind of a spoiler.
1: We won't spoil the film. Yeah, but but we will talk about the book and the um true story yeah at length so i guess some of that will be spoilers but not necessarily for the film
0: yeah because you can't i guess you can't really spoil the film with the plot of the book because it's no it's
1: completely different (laughs) yeah it kind of starts Uh, out the same and then veers off so
0: did you think it was scary
1: no i think some of the effects were good and Mm -hmm. are um tense It, it was very tense
0: yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah
1: and there were some times that I knew something was coming and I jumped anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know.
1: But most of the time it, it was it was fun. Like you knew something was coming.
0: Yeah, it's a good one to see in the cinema actually with a bunch of other people because there were people who clearly were scared. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 there were a lot of screams.
0: <laughs> yeah, which was cool.
1: Oh, and actually in the foyer to the theater, there was this little box thing that they had us line up <laughs> and then yep. kind of look through this peephole at. And everybody before us would go up and look into it and then scream and we're like, what is this thing? And I was really expecting that somebody was just going to pop out at me or something.
0: Yeah. And
1: all it was was like a 30 second clip of the trailer. Yeah. It was nothing. And then we walked off and the guys behind us were like, wow, they were just just laughing while they watched it. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, it was nothing.
0: I like to think that, like one in every five people, something does happen just to make them look stupid. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And <laughs> Like we just happened to because get it was just- this.
1: It was this huge box that could have mm-hmm. fit like four people in it.
0: <laughs> and all yeah. it was was
1: just a little peephole to watch the the trailer.
0: Yeah. It was it was weird. Like
1: oh That was it. We lined up for that. Yeah. We didn't even get beer for this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's true.
0: So they filmed this one intending for it to be rated R.
1: Yeah. They didn't do that for the first one.
0: No, but it was deemed too scary. I,
1: I honestly don't know if I even believe that. Like, they intended <laughs> for the first one to have a PG-13 rating, and they yeah. said they removed so much from it, but they still, without compromising the film, they couldn't remove enough to make it not scary enough.
0: But, I don't know if I believe half of the shit they say oh, about I know, these films. I know. But like, I,
1: I don't think that the first one was any scarier than this one.
0: No, no, no. Not at all. I think, uh, in fact, I, I'd say this one... I mean, this one hooked me more. I was more interested. Yeah, definitely. So I, I found, I mean, not scarier, but I don't know. I got a bit bored watching the first one that I didn't get bored in this one. Yeah. In that, in that sense, it was scarier. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if I believe a lot of this stuff that they've been saying about... There you were know. some
1: people who found it scary.
0: Oh, yeah. Sure. And that,
1: that includes the cast.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: after the first movie, um, Vera Farmiga, who played Lorraine Warren... Um, <sighs> Some stuff happened to her. (laughs) Sure it did. I think uh, she said the day that she accepted the role, she spoke to James Wan and then got off Skype with him and noticed that there were three scratches on her computer screen. Like
0: digital claw marks.
1: Digital claw marks. The
0: fuck does that even mean? And then
1: these were mirrored on her body. She woke up and found these claw marks on her leg. Yeah. She and other members of the cast reported waking up at 3 a.m. every night, which is Ed Warren's spiritual hour or something mm. like that. Yeah. Oh, it was an affront to the Holy Trinity. That was what <laughs> he called it. Right. Because of everything that happened on the first film, mm-hmm. uh, the, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> the first yeah. day of filming of The Conjuring 2. They, so they visited the house in Enfield, mm. rebuilt it on a soundstage at Warner Brothers Studios. I gotta say,
0: they did a really good job. It looked it looked spot on. Yeah. I mean, I've only seen photos and, and video footage of the, the the real house, but this just looked just like it.
1: Yeah, it was great. They had a priest come in and bless the set. So this, this wasn't even the real house. This is a soundstage. Yeah. And they thought that in addressing <laughs> some of these concepts ghosts and demons that they would be opening doors to things
0: yeah they also arranged for the press to come and take photos of the priest that is
1: true if you are interested (laughs) you can see some photos of the priest blessing the set yeah great with an an
0: entourage great publicity for Mm -hmm. a film like this Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i'm a little
1: well it is i I mean mean, it's an interesting story about it no
0: no no I'm, i'm not i'm not i'm not saying i don't think they should have done i think it's great publicity i think it's very funny and interesting but i don't believe for a second (laughs) that they needed to have a priest bless a sound stage but uh you never know you know
1: you never know what what doors you could be opening
0: i I see i I can't help but wonder do they do they believe this or is it are they all just in on this i don't know i think if you really believed in this stuff you wouldn't shoot some of the stuff that happens in this film yeah that's right but whatever Maybe, maybe they do.
1: I know. Some of them said that they were creeped out filming it, but mm. like, really? I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you've ever been on a movie set, it's not, yeah, it's nothing scary it is about it. not scary. <laughs>
0: no, it's boring. Uh, although, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the, stu- some of the stuff in this would have been fun to shoot, but like most of the time it's just boring.
1: And I'm sure some of the makeup was scary in person.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, I loved uh, Marilyn Manson in this, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll see him listeners. You'll see him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mm. <laughs> I mean, this is a movie about a poltergeist. Mm-hmm. So, tell us what's a poltergeist?
1: The word poltergeist is German. Mm-hmm. Poltern is to make sound, and geist is a ghost or a spirit. Right. So, it translates to a noisy ghost.
0: A g- g- ghost. A g-
1: g- ghost. <laughs> it is generally a ghost or another type of supernatural being who mm-hmm. is responsible for making loud noises and throwing things and. Just kind of misplacing stuff.
0: It's like a trickster ghost.
1: Yeah, look. I mean, in the in the true story, which I guess we'll just refer to it as the true story.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: Just know that we don't believe it.
0: Um, <laughs> we'll get to it. In but the yeah. true story,
1: it is supposed to be a poltergeist that is tormenting this family. Yeah. In the movie, it was almost anything but. Yeah. Like spirits, ghosts, demons... Everything
0: yeah, was, else it it was like yeah, it was everything, but I mean P- you know
1: possessions <laughs> yeah the first reported poltergeist was in Germany in eight hundred and fifty six a d mm. it was um it was a poltergeist that tormented a family who lived at a farmhouse by throwing stones and starting fires among other things I cannot hmm. find any information about what these other things are, but <laughs> sure. I assume it's just generally moving stuff about
0: yeah doing stuff that you know someone can do and pretend <laughs> that it's a poltergeist <laughs> that any human could do. <laughs> yeah yep the enfield poltergeist is actually a very famous uh case possibly the most famous case of a poltergeist
1: i think it is the most documented case of any poltergeist
0: yeah as in they've got a lot of photos and a lot of uh video footage and a lot of
1: mostly audio they've got like like a year's worth of audio recordings
0: yeah because it was in the 70s and so you know film and stuff was less available than it is now mm-hmm. conveniently <laughs> but they did document a lot of this stuff and uh, and i mean i'm sure listeners if you if you have a look for yourself i think you'll find a lot of the documentation is a bit lacking in uh On the convincing side of things.
1: Yeah, from the best that I could find, and we looked into this a lot. Yeah. The only evidence that is available for us is a photo that was posted in a tabloid magazine Mm -hmm. of Janet, the youngest daughter, supposedly levitating in her bed. Yeah. But when you think levitating, you usually think like lying down, floating. This is her jumping out of bed. And it was on a, the camera was running every 15 seconds or something, taking pictures, where they found that she was actually jumping on the bed Mm -hmm. and jumping off. And lots of skeptics have said, like, no, she's just jumping off the bed.
0: Look at the photo. That's what's happening in the photo.
1: And yeah, yeah. Like, you can clearly see her, her knees are up. Yeah. Like, her hair is behind her. It's. It's quite obvious.
0: It's kind of the theme of this whole case. And the reason that I think I got so burnt out on it is just because every single thing is just like, are you serious? Just look at the photo or like just listen to what you're (laughs) saying. Everything's got a perfectly reasonable explanation like right next to it. (laughs) Yeah. Just people choose to ignore them.
1: The other bit of actual actual evidence that we were able to find is the lights go out while they're filming Right. And then when they come out there's a lamp on the floor. Yeah. But there are there are a lot of people in this room. It's possible that any one of them could have knocked it over and turned the lights off. Yeah. So that's that's really not evidence for anything.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's,
1: it's evidence that the lights were off.
0: And not only that, there's not a whole lot of evidence of of ghosts, but there is evidence of the kids pranking them that they choose to ignore.
1: Yeah. So a demon liked to speak out of Janet, out of Janet's mouth. Right. Man, this hurts. This hurts me.
0: (laughs) I know. Does she?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She, um, the demon would speak out of her mouth Mm -hmm. in a a kind of growling. Like if you've ever listened (laughs) to like a metal song. Yeah. Imagine that, that deep growling voice
0: yeah similar to a young girl making a growling voice
1: <laughs> very similar yeah right so there's a video of that as well you can see this um this is one of the most famous videos related to the case and she's kind of laughing through it like they ask questions and she tries to cover her mouth or her hand and then that doesn't work and she starts to kind of giggle a little bit and Oh man. And it's so childish too the things that it's answering. Like they ask, like, what are you? and she's like, I'm a G H O S T.
0: It actually scares me that people can watch that and go, Whoa, that's scary. <laughs> like it's not it's freaking kid. Like a kid messing with you. <laughs> you looked at that and you thought that was evidence of anything? It's just it's just she's just taking the piss.
1: So as we said, we read the The book, um, This House is Haunted.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't get through it.
1: No, I, I read half of it, and then I had to just skip to the end and read some bits because it's painful. This guy, this is Playfair. This is one of the investigators of the case. Yeah. I just, I feel for him because he's just so gullible.
0: He just really wants to believe this, but he, like... He like explains things away himself, telling the story.
1: Yeah, yeah. Everything he says, like, ah, oh, so I, I saw this happen. I wasn't in the room, but um, somebody told me, like Janet told me that it did happen. Like, yeah. So, so you didn't see it, and you're taking yeah. the word of the girl who you've you've actually admitted has faked some things.
0: Right, and there's like a section where he says. Uh, they've got this equipment in, right, to try and measure the, you know, electromagnetic waves or something like that, and it starts going off. And the guy operating the equipment says, this guy from the university says, it could be being triggered by this, her getting up out of bed to f- throw things around, and it's the springs in the bed setting the machine off. And then he's uh, play fair says, yeah, or oh, it could be a ghost. Mm-hmm. Fact. The whole book is like that. It's like, it could be this logical explanation, but it's probably a ghost.
1: There's a bit where there was a note written and then there's a knock at the door. So when they go to see who's at the door and it's no one, they come back and the (laughs) note has changed to a different note. And he says it is written in Janet's school book in her handwriting. However, she didn't have time to write it. So it, it had to have been a
0: ghost. It's so frustrating to read. I can't, I couldn't do it.
1: (laughs) There are multiple accounts where he says he goes to the top of the stairs, um, where her bedroom is and he fakes going back down. Mm -hmm. Like he sets up a camera and then fakes going downstairs saying like, well, I guess it's time to turn in for the night. Bang, bang, bang. And then peeks around the corner into her bedroom where she sits up out of bed and looks around like, is anyone looking at me?
0: Yeah, so I can throw stuff around like a poltergeist?
1: They, they had another time where they set up um, a video camera. Mm. And then said, um, oh, well, I guess it's not working. Let's go down the street and find somebody who can fix it. <laughs> and then as soon as they got down the stairs, Janet got out of bed, went over to the keyhole and peeped through. And then noticed the video equipment and got back in bed. and they they take that as not proof that she's faking it but proof that the poltergeist is aware of its surroundings through her knowledge
0: yeah he says he literally says at one point in the book the poltergeist is clearly using her senses to make to know when we're around when it can so that it knows when it can do things i'm like you serious
1: just he actually uh... he actually says at one point Because it, like I said, it speaks through her. It growls through her. Yeah. And he says at one point that he can tell that she and the poltergeist have gotten so connected because at some times the poltergeist in the growly voice says things that Janet was meant to say. (laughs) And Janet says things in the poltergeist voice.
0: She gets mixed up. When she's pretending to be a when poltergeist. she's pretending to be a poltergeist. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's kind of a sad story because...
0: It is. The
1: book starts out, and every account that they relate, current day interviews, um, starts out where the two daughters... It's a family with a single mother, two daughters, and two sons. So the, the two daughters are in their bedroom goofing around, and the mother hears some noises and comes up and yells at them to go to bed. And then the dresser propels itself across the room Mm -hmm. and then they call in help almost immediately they call the police they go to the neighbors yeah and like the whole community is involved in this thing yeah and the police say no no no. we there's nothing we can do you need to call some (laughs) like the um the spr the
0: society of psychical Psychical Research. research yeah
1: yeah, so they get some reporters in and they get these two investigators, Maurice Gross, who mm-hmm. is in this film, yep. The Conjuring 2, and Playfair, who wrote the book.
0: <laughs> Who's not in this film.
1: Yeah, who is not in the film and is replaced by the Warrens. And I'll <laughs> yeah. talk about that in a little while, why that happened.
0: Yeah. I do feel sorry for, for Gross, right? So Gross is a real person and he his story is sad, I think. He got involved in this case, and again, this is all—this tr- is actually true. He lost his daughter. His daughter had a car accident and died. She was on the back of a motorcycle that her boyfriend was riding. Uh, he crashed, and she died. And he and his family came to believe that 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 she—her Jan- name was Janet as well, coincidentally. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: she- well, not coincidentally, in fact they think that they were called to this case because of that.
0: Right. But, I mean, it is a coincidence. Yeah. (laughs) But um, they believe that she was trying to contact them from beyond the grave. And Mm -hmm. he became obsessed with the idea that the afterlife was real. He joined the Society for Psychical Research and he harassed them. He
1: demanded a case. Yeah, he
0: demanded a case uh, for him to investigate. And then when this Enfield poltergeist case came up, they said, are you interested? And he said, yes, I'm interested. And he and went he was around there, there within the hour. He, yeah, and he, he was there and he didn't leave the whole time. He was there for like... 18 months.
1: Mm-hmm. The, the
0: duration. Like, he, he lived at the house for a period, yeah. like, to investigate this thing. He just, he needed this to be true because, because of what happened with his daughter. And I think that's just really sad. It like, is
1: sad. And I, I really feel for him in this film because he comes across as a buffoon,
0: yeah, but I don't feel like that's untrue in a way. No,
1: yeah, that's that's right. Like
0: the way that I mean, he's he's clearly friends with Playfair, uh, and Playfair's <clears throat> writing this book about him, and he still sounds like a buffoon in the book. Yeah, they both do.
1: But so does Playfair.
0: Yeah, no, I know, but he's he's just blind to it because he he just mm-hmm. again he he also he just wants to believe this stuff.
1: Right. So this all started. Very shortly after uh, the parents, the Hodgson parents, separated. Yes. Um, Mr. Hodgson moved out. Uh, I believe he was having an affair. It was not very amicable. No. <laughs> and the kids all stayed with the mother. Mm-hmm. So it was a very tumultuous time for them because they were all quite young. I think they were eleven and younger. Yeah. And also, it was the week that Janet was starting her new school. So that's a very tough time. She was picked on a lot. And I think she just started to act out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's what it seems like to me. There's just nothing that suggests anything supernatural.
1: No, it, and it it would have been really good for them to have a couple of men come by and be the father figures that they no longer had. Yes. And I think they just continued to act out to keep them around.
0: Yeah. In fact, the the, the TV movie that we watched, the TV movie version of this, the mother said that at one point in the film mm-hmm. when she she said that and I was like, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Present day Janet has actually admitted to faking at least one to 2% <laughs> of the, the supernatural activity. Um, I believe it was more than that, but mm-hmm. she says that the reason she did that is because that she was just tired of having people around all the time and they would kind of wait for things to happen and if nothing did, you kind of felt responsible.
0: Right. So, so you, they would make, they would it make
1: something happen.
0: Look, I think I think people remember what they want to remember.
1: Yeah, and the investigators even said, oh, man, like they just make excuses for them Yes, constantly. So when the girls admitted to doing some of the stuff, Playfresh said, well, I would have been more worried if they hadn't played around from time to time. Just <laughs> means they were behaving like normal kids.
0: Such strange logic, like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they did fake some of the stuff, but they couldn't have faked all of it. Therefore, it's true. Like, yeah. What? Weirdest logic. I did like. Again, I'm not going to talk about spoilers, but I did like that the the Conjuring Two addressed uh, a lot of those doubts mm-hmm. in a, in a in a cool way. Again, not a believable way, but a cool way for the film. Yeah. Because, like I said, there's a lot of stuff about this case that frustrated me, and and to see that stuff addressed in the movie kind of made it even more enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked I liked that aspect of it. Like they didn't they didn't really skip over any of that stuff. I I thought that they might, you know, stuff like uh, Janet potentially faking things and, yeah. and and all that kind of stuff. No, they address all that stuff. I think yeah. you know, in a really cool way.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. And her reasons in the film for faking it are believable
0: yeah yeah within the context of the film absolutely, exactly. yeah yeah
1: yeah well i mean in real life they're believable as well like if she yeah. <laughs> if yeah. she was lonely and just she's just a little kid who like it was a poor family mm-hmm. she didn't have any friends i don't know
0: oh and the other thing i guess we should mention is that apparently the warrens weren't that involved in in the enfield case
1: they were hardly involved at all. Mm. So the reason that I found for this, actually, like we said, uh, Gross and Playfair were the two main investigators in this case. Mm-hmm. James Wan does not have the rights to Playfair's book. <laughs> Playfair sold the rights to his book to the BBC for the the Enfield drama um, mini series. Yeah, which we also watched.
0: Yeah, it was all right. Um,
1: yeah, it was all right. And I've listened to an interview with Playfair, and he, he calls The Conjuring to He doesn't say it by name, but he does say that he is not happy with it because they just forget about everything that really <laughs> happened. And, like, he actually believes that this stuff transpired. So, yeah. to him, they're just making a mockery of him. Right, And they totally cut him out of his own story.
0: Yeah, he's not in it at all.
1: Because... The Warrens were actually involved in the case in The Conjuring, the Perrin case. uh, It kind of made sense for Juan to use them in his universe.
0: Right. So they did go uh, and speak to Janet and and investigate the house. But they were, what, there for a day or something like that?
1: Yeah. As far as I can tell, and this is by Playfair's account, they showed up for a single day uninvited. And then Ed came in, spewed some nonsense about being a demonic possession (laughs) And then left without... Like, they did some interviews with her. She spoke in her raspy voice. And then they left, and he used it to get some money. (laughs) An interesting thing I found, actually, because I questioned why, if they were going to make another movie about the Warrens, why would they do this case that they weren't even involved in, rather than some of the ones they were, like the Amityville Horror, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the reason for that is that James Wan doesn't own the rights to the Warrens. (laughs) So even though Lorraine Warren, Ed Warren, has died in 2006, Mm -hmm. but even though Lorraine Warren worked with James Wan for these two films, he doesn't own the rights to her case files. He owns the rights to a book that contains reference to their case files. And he's therefore able to use them,
0: right? Because so, an- another famous case makes an appearance in this film, which I actually was a bit of a surprise. I didn't realize that was going to happen. Uh, I don't. Wanna, I mean, it's the very it's the opening of the film, so it's not mm-hmm. a huge spoiler. But yeah. Uh, yeah, there's another famous ghost story that makes an appearance, which I didn't anticipate. Yeah, that was cool.
1: Yeah, which was good because it was a case they were actually involved in.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, at the end they do have some footage like if you want to sit through the credits this is again it's not a spoiler but they've got some some footage uh photos rather not footage uh and an audio recording that the warren's made um it's all it is it's skewed towards the this really happened mm-hmm. <laughs> more so than the actual evidence would suggest but it's still interesting in fact they had some photos and stuff in the uh ending credits that i hadn't seen before yeah so I guess maybe, and and that recording of the Warrens, I hadn't heard. Um,
1: no, a lot of the the Warren stuff is kind of
0: that's their their property.
1: Yeah, it's kind mm. of kept under lock and key.
0: Yeah, so yeah, so that was a nice little little Easter egg at the end.
1: Mm. But it is an interesting case, and um, oh, definitely, like, I would urge you to look into it because even though I believe the whole thing was just a hoax played by the children. Um, Mm -hmm. Janet especially, but I think the other children had to have been involved in some way. Yeah. And I even question the mother,
0: the mother's involvement. I don't know how she could not have been involved Mm -hmm. or it's, I guess it's also possible that she was just quite simple and not, you know, they, they fooled her as well.
1: Yeah. They do kind of seem like that as a family.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, no offense, but they're not, they don't seem like, you know, like the brightest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm and uh, I, I yeah I think I think the kids just had some fun and mm. and we should also be mentioned as well the Society for Psychical Research uh, basically disavowed <laughs> themselves of this case and they told Morris and um, Playfair that they they felt that it was a hoax and um, and, th- and they weren't interested but Morris yeah. and Playfair continued to investigate regardless so after a short period um, the, that's just, the Society was not involved at all because they they felt that it was a hoax.
1: Even Playfair at times in his book seems to question if it was real or not. And I, I mean,
0: gee, I can't like imagine I said, why
1: he's, he's always <laughs> making excuses for Janet. Like yeah, every time he says something flew across the room and I saw Janet Janet's hands. But after a while, I kind of realized that he's making excuses for himself. Like yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah,
0: he's trying to explain it away because he mm-hmm. knows, you know. He knows no one's going to believe it. Mm-hmm. There was an interesting in- interview with uh, Janet and he and uh, the editor of Skeptic magazine. I think uh, it was on a British talk show, and it was it was fairly recent, like a few years ago. And uh, Janet and and Playfair were talking about it for a bit, you know, as if you know, saying you know, it really happened and blah 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 blah. And the skeptic, uh, I've forgotten her name. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was asking questions and they didn't really have any answers. All, all he did was talk in circles. And, like, she would say, uh, or like, the host asked him what was the most frightening thing that he witnessed personally. And he said, oh, well, I mean, you know, when when the mum couldn't move the dresser and it moved across the room. I mean, that was a, a pretty good example of, of a poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Was like, he wasn't there for that. Like, he didn't see anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and even the way that Janet tells the story is not from her point of view, which is a weird right. thing. She tells it from the point of view of her mother, but mm. almost word for word, from Playfair's book, Yes. who wasn't even there.
0: Yeah, she's clearly read the book, and whenever she's asked, how did this all happen, she tells the story from the book.
1: Well, me mum heard the scratches.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Mum heard scratches and came upstairs, and we were in our room. Right. Well, what did you see? Yeah. She never. She never talks about that. She just talks about it from the perspective of how it was written in the book.
1: She's also very slow, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like she's either not all there now, or oh, she's, she's just, just careful reciting something.
0: Yeah, she's being very careful with what she <laughs> says. Well, I mean, it's it's going to be very easy for her to get caught out if she says something silly. Yeah. It sounds like we're being a bit hard on them, but this is actually so interesting and so disappointing for that reason is that every, every angle we came at this, I just really felt was disappointing. Yeah. Like there was nothing there at all. And it, it's actually sort of it's depressing. <laughs> it's a bit depressing that they, these people are like, so they they believe this.
1: Right. Because I mean, because Gross and Playfair have always said like, well, there's no way there's no way they could have faked it. And all of the skeptics say, well, there were only two of you and there were five of them. Like right. it was very easy for them to do so.
0: It's ran rings around it.
1: Mm. Oh, another yeah. <laughs> another point that um <laughs> I thought was really great. Like they just these poor guys, man. So Janet would talk in her demon voice. <laughs> But a lot of times, she would only do it if they would turn away. Yeah. And um, some stuff would go flying around the room, and they would kind of... The two girls would say, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll do it. The poltergeist will do it, but you guys have to just leave the room and shut the door, and then you can listen.
0: And they just buy that. They go, oh, yeah. yeah. totally
1: buy it. it just feel so bad for these guys. Like, Gross just wanted so badly to speak to his daughter again.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. he was
1: willing to believe anything.
0: Oh, I also say one of my favorite quotes from the book.
1: Oh yes.
0: <laughs> when the police left, nobody wanted to go back upstairs, so an improvised bedroom was set up in the living room. It was a bit of a squash, and it reminded Mrs. Harper of life in the air raid shelters during the war. <laughs> "Oh dear," she sighed as she curled up on the armchair. "It's like the blitz all over again." In fact, it was worse. But you knew who Hitler was, and you could see the bombs and rockets, whereas now the enemy was invisible and totally incomprehensible. That made it much more frightening.
1: The it, poltergeist was worse than Hitler.
0: This was more terrifying than the Germans bombing London during the war. We
1: should we should also note that Mrs. Harper is Mrs. Hodgson. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, the names were changed for Playfair's book.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: Which was very confusing.
0: <laughs> is it, actually, can I read one more quote? This is another one of my favourites. <laughs> Standing beside Mrs. Harper, Hodgson, in the kitchen doorway, and with his finger on the shutter release, Morris saw something out of the corner of his eye. Mrs. Harper ducked, and a microsecond later, something hit him, hard, just over his right eye. When I first met him a week later, he still had a large bruise on his forehead. It was a very near miss for both his eye and the lens, for the object, which turned out to be a sharp-cornered piece of Lego, did not appear on his negative, as he took the picture, it must have been somewhere in the 10% of the room not covered by his wide-angle lens. Right. So, A, that's inconvenient that the camera didn't capture it. And, B, a piece of Lego gave the guy a bruise for a week. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. This book is just frustrating. <laughs> I just want to sit I, him down. I started down to and,
1: highlight so it's, much. That I, know, I was like, this is going to be the entire book.
0: I, I can't. I, I, Uh, Yeah, when I started, I was highlighting like everything because I was like, what, what, what? And then, yeah, and then I just stopped because I'm like, this book is, I'm just going to highlight the whole book. (laughs) And I should note that uh, Guy Lyon Playfair uh, has written another book, which Mm. is about uh, how mystical forces in the universe affect our daily lives. (laughs) Sorry, no offense. No offense if you believe any of that stuff.
1: I enjoyed the film. No, despite, I really enjoyed the film despite the story that it was based on. And if you do like if you do want to look deeper into this, I encourage you to because it's quite interesting. Yeah. But the film itself was was quite good.
0: Yeah, I felt like it took it I took enough of the the story and mm-hmm. then adapted it into a James Wan horror film. Yep. And uh and I yeah, I really liked it.
1: And as much as I dislike the Warrens in real life. <laughs> yep. And it it is hard to get past that. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. They're they're not so bad in the films.
0: Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of patience for people who take advantage of of people's ignorance and I mm-hmm. guess uh, vulnerability. Vulnerability, yeah. So and I, and I I mean, you know, I I feel like that's what they do or yeah. did rather. I don't yeah. I don't know that Lorraine does that anymore, but um, but they certainly did. So, but then that leads us, I guess, to uh listener homework <laughs> <for> this week. <laughs> we want to hear from you, listeners, because. I mean, we're we're skeptical. Obviously, we've made that very clear. I think, right? And I've never experienced mm-hmm. anything supernatural. Nothing at all. Not, not, not I've experienced nothing that I I feel is supernatural. Have you?
1: I have, but I don't jump to the conclusion immediately that it it was a ghosty.
0: Right. Sure. Like, so I mean, so you don't you don't feel that it was supernatural? You you, you think there's an explanation, or you, or you? I I'm sure.
1: I'm sure that there was some sort of explanation. Right. But okay. like, and I wasn't the only witness of these things. This, I had a couple of things that happened to me in, um, in a friend's house, in the same room of a friend's house on different occasions. There was once when, um, the case to a cassette tape, mm-hmm. like that was on a shelf, just sailed across the room. Right. Like, at least six feet, straight out, and then mm. fell. Okay. And I, I have no explanation for that. I was looking straight at it. Um, We were kind of standing and talking, and I was looking straight at it, and it just flew. And I have no idea what happened. Okay. And then in that same room, at a different occasion, um, I and a friend were sitting on the couch, and another couple of friends were sitting like in an L shape on on the other side of the couch. And right in front of me and the friend who is next to me, um, the, the cord to a lamp that was plugged in and draped down the side of a desk, lifted up, flopped over the top of the lamp, and then slammed down on the desk on the other side. Hmm. I have no explanation for them.
0: <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't... I don't I obviously I don't have an explanation either uh I've I've experienced I've been in situations where something has happened like for example I've, I've also I've had a, a a can of coke uh f- fly off a table I say fly uh mm-hmm. it, it may have just fallen um <laughs> I mean no one was near it at the time but I mean my I assume it was just placed in a precarious manner and it right. and it you know fell in such a way that it kind of launched a bit like that's I mean, that's got to right. be that's got to be I, it, right? But at I, the time, see, I would
1: say that too if I wasn't staring directly at it <laughs> when this thing happened.
0: Yeah. Sure. So I, I mean, I've had stuff like that happen, and I mean, yeah. obviously, uh, as a as a human being, I get sometimes a little bit creeped out in the dark. Not not as much as other people seem to. I'm not <laughs> so bad in the dark. <laughs> yeah, you get <laughs> you get scared in the dark. I don't get as scared in the dark. Uh, I get scared when I'm in water because I think a shark's going to get me. Yeah. Like, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to talk about irrational fears. Mm. Um,
1: but yeah, listeners, we want to know, is there anything that you've ever experienced that makes yeah. you think that there are poltergeists or ghosts or anything?
0: Yeah. Anything supernatural. Have you ever experienced something you couldn't explain uh, anything at all? Like, and, and we're not going to judge. I know we've been a bit harsh on, um,
1: <laughs> on, <laughs> on the Warrens, on and-,
0: the Warrens and, and Playfair and, and, and Morris Gross, but, uh, but no, no, no. We, we're genuinely interested. Um, you can get us at necronominom at multiplenergasm.com, or you can head over to the Multiple Nerdgasm Facebook page and post on there uh, or send us a message on there uh, we're at Mnergasm on Twitter uh, multiplenergasm.com you can find all of that stuff in case you didn't catch it just like to thank Roadshow once again for inviting us along to The Conjuring this was a perfect film for us Because obviously we love James Wan and we love (laughs) horror films and we really appreciate the invite.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot. I would like to leave you with a quote from another famous poltergeist case. Where a little girl eventually admitted that everything she had done was just for attention. (laughs) And people said, but you couldn't have thrown all those things. And she said, I didn't throw all those things. People just imagined some of them.